like it will just disappear. And it always disappears once you go to watch it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I'm the worst at that. And then like I'll rent something to watch it, and then it'll just appear on streaming like a week later. <laughs> rent. <Yeah. laughs> I will watch it, and then it'll appear on streaming. Like oh great, thanks. Welcome to Idiot Block, a comedic podcast critiquing, discussing, and analyzing the media industry through reviews, debates, and historical deep dives. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Idiot Plot. I'm David Yarnish, and joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Overdahl. You're a popcorn salesman. And Justin Neisel. Lonely. I am so lonely. On today's episode, we're doing another episode of our movie pick series. This week, it's Alex's pick. I just wanted to tell everyone what you made us watch this week. I picked the 1950 film In a Lonely Place, the, the film noir-ish film starring Humphrey Bogart. Uh, yeah. I love that this set of picks is basically movies that I'm pretty sure nobody has heard of other other than us. We had what? Phantom last week. In a Lonely Place, I, I'd never heard about until you brought up um, this week. And Justin's next week, which will probably keep at the end of this, although oh, this will probably kind of a forgotten one. Or, or at least definitely one that at the time weren't like regarded how they are now for sure yeah for sure yeah most definitely but anyway before we get into that we're gonna start with another opening segment of what we watched so who wants to start us off with what they watched i'll go i watched the 2000 movie finding forrester basically about a young writing prodigy who finds a mentor in sean connery who's basically an author who's kind of gone off the grid he's kind of just chilling in his apartment doesn't talk to people, has food delivered. He's gone off the lamb pretty much. But you got Rob Brown playing this black kid in basically Harlem, New York. He gets uh, he gets put into uh, private school cut through, uh, I think it was basketball, and he kind of met the required, like he took like a test, I believe. And basically him and his buddies uh, were hanging out one night, go in and try to go into Sean Connery's apartment building and try to steal stuff from him. But he leaves his backpack and one day he's walking by and his backpack falls from the sky behind him and basically Sean Connery was writing all in his notebook where he was writing as well. And then they form a bond and start hanging out while he's going to prep school. And then he basically slowly starts getting better at writing because he has everything he wants to say he just doesn't know how to put it into words and then the his one professor who's basically the villain f played by f murray abraham is like of course he is is basically like there there's something wrong he's he's most likely cheating and then basically it was um Ron, uh, Rob Brown's character connecting with Sean Connery and getting him back into life while dealing with F. Murray Abraham. Also, a early role for Anna Paquin too. Also, it was like, like this one girl is her, his friend is in it, and I'm like, like you look familiar. Who are you? Yeah, it was Anna Paquin. <laughs> Is this Wait, before or after X-Men? I believe before. Uh, or right around the yeah, same, same time. Yes, yeah, same year, it looks like. Yeah, 2000. 2000. But it's kind of a... It's a slow movie, and but I really liked the chemistry between the two actors. Um, they make it fun, basically, writing. You got F. Murray Abraham, who's just great. Always. 
this is right, right, right before Sean Connery went into retirement. Yeah, well, for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> broke him, broke him, and quit. You also get like a, you also have a Matt Damon uh, cameo at the end, but basically before he got big, because I don't think the Bourne movies had come out yet. Yeah, you, you, Good Will Hunting probably had. Yeah, that came out, but I don't think he was big name yet. Still, I've never heard this movie. No, I'm gonna be straight honest with you. I, I, I've never heard this movie. Cool, pulled something out you haven't seen. That's a compliment. <laughs> well, you face me with the random the 90s, king of the 90s. 2000 movies <laughs> that you pull out of your hat. Like I found one on HBO Max that I watched at downtime at work randomly called Sneakers. Yeah. And sure enough, you had rated it on Letterboxd having seen it. <laughs> well, I guess that's the benefit of being a couple years older than you. <laughs> Is this on anything? I. Uh, don't know. I caught it. I was. It was on HBO. I don't so know it's if it's on, on Max, HBO Max then. or it was on Cinemax or something. One of the movie channels I know had it on. It is on Stars. On Stars. Okay, the Stars. It's getting a TV adaptation at some point because every freaking movie's getting TV adaptation now. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the greatest movie you'll ever see, but it was a lot of fun. Um, the score was had a lot of jazz in it, but I thought it was actually quite appropriate. I like jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Gus Van Sant, so it's probably going to to be pretty sappy. Pretty much, and it's probably it's probably gonna gonna, gonna be. Oh, what it's the guy who who directed Good Will Hunting, so it's probably gonna be yeah. around that similar vein. Maybe that's why Good I liked Will. it. Yeah, it's got it's got a similar vibe to it. Uh, it's got Ask Mary Abraham. Like I'm at least interested. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to throw that out there. I was like, yeah, this will get Ovidal's attention. Oh, you had, you had me. Yep, yep, you had me. Yeah, I give it, I think I rated about a 7 out of huh? 10 kind of area. That's fair. It's not my particular style of movie because I kind of hate the late 90s, early 2000s sentimental drama. Yeah. But I'd be willing to give it a shot. I mean, like most things. it definitely looks, it, I could guarantee you that. Alex, how about you? What do you have to share? Well, <laughs> this past weekend, I had the chance to go see 2000 2001 and 70 millimeter. Oh, screw uh-huh. you. <laughs> <laughs> you should have known I was going with this. You should have known I was going with screw this. Screw you. <laughs> uh, yeah, at the, the Arrow Theater here in LA, they're a nonprofit run. Uh, so they, they screen a lot of classics. They've got a few 70 millimeter prints, and 2001 is one of them. And like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I'd never seen, full disclosure, I'd never seen anything in 70 millimeter i mean obviously as a kid everything was screened on you know film prints but it was in wisconsin so it was like you know marcus theaters film print quality i'm sure it was not the greatest hey greg has the greatest film come <laughs> on the podcast right right yeah yeah come, come in uh prove me wrong greg uh but certainly i'd never seen anything on 70 and you know you hear like oh it's supposed to look the best it's the most detailed whatever but like until you see it you don't get why because i i didn't fully understand why and really for me it was the colors like i've never seen anything on digital you know 4k whatever imax that had like that level of color detail and like just the the subtle hues and stuff so especially for a film like 2001 i mean like it's just incredible to look at uh of course the the sound finally seeing in the theater this is one of my favorite films like was incredible uh and it was just a, a fantastic experience especially you know it's one of those theaters no phones no anything like these are all people who are serious about it there's somebody who worked with Kubrick who attended that I don't remember his name and I should have written it down. 
But somebody was there. I don't know who. I've seen a couple of films in 70. I saw Hateful Eight in 70, and I saw Dunkirk on 70 IMAX. Um, there is no real way to describe 70 millimeter to someone who hasn't seen it other than that it's better. It's kind of yeah. hard to explain why it's better. It's just better. Um, details better. Colors are better. Depth of field. Like it, it's, a, it's just a much better experience. And, and, and really, in order for 70 to really be good, you have to see a film like Hateful Eight or 2001 that was shot on 70. I know like films like Joker got a 70 millimeter run, but that was filmed in digital. It's not going to look as good on 70. It wasn't made for 70. No, yeah, like I don't even get the, the point of that. Like it's not really a film copy, you know what I mean? Like it's you're processing it in something it wasn't shot on, so it's not really going to work. So we can claim that it's that new, very nice, prestigious film you think it's gonna be when it's not that's essentially why they did right and it like it's gonna look better than this but it's like to get a more modern concept that's like more relatable when they would take those movies that weren't shot in 3d and put them in 3d right right like that's kind of like what it would be trying to put something in 70 like well it wasn't shot for this it doesn't look right so yeah i mean seeing something shot on 70 in 70 is like the, the a level of detail that like you're not gonna see any other way and i don't know if or when like digital will get to that level of detail it won't it can't yeah it's just because yeah like the reading of the pixels and like those subtle differences because like there's this one just like an example in the the part to jupiter in 2001 right where there's all the like crazy shit and there's one that looks like an orange kind of supernova blob thing and on digital even the 4k one which looks great it's like this the orange thing and then the whole background is back black on 70 it's like it slowly transitions with the orange so like you get the orange like bleeding into the black colors if that makes sense so it looks com- almost completely different because it has more detail and like when you read something digitally like it can only decipher so many different colors well digital will only get better can only get with 70 if processing speeds on dvd players and, and consoles and blu-ray players and stuff improves um and and if internet speeds can improve it, it's just that the the tech weirdly enough just isn't as good as analog stuff it's really bizarre to say that but it, but it, but it, but it, but it, but it's true. There's something lost in lost in the transition from from analog film format to to, to digital copies. That that yeah. digital stuff just isn't up to stuff. The, the code and processing just isn't there to capture the, the, those colors, like you said, or the detail yeah. or any of that. Stuff. It, it's just it's not there. We don't have the processing power. Well, get it, damn it. Well, and, or, or or just the the, <laughs> the code because you know digital stuff. It's all one and zeros. Yeah. If, if you can't convert certain colors to code, you can't get them on, on, on the film. Right, and that's, I think, the biggest thing you notice with 2001 for sure. Like, there's just, on the digital, there's just not, an, like, enough colors. <laughs> as amazing as it looks, like, it's it's really a, a big difference, and, like, as a result, I saw new things that I hadn't noticed, and I've seen the, I've seen this film a bunch of times by now. I mean, I, I'm no film purist, but if you have the opportunity to see movies shot on film, on film, do it. Definitely. Like, like, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in seeing films in the way they were meant to be seen. I don't always get to do do, do that, but it's why I saw Hateful Eight 70 millimeters. It's why I saw Dunkirk in IMAX 70. It's why I saw a bunch of movies in 3D that, that, that I probably shouldn't have because <laughs> that's what they were designed to be seen in. I gotta go looking around for a 70 millimeter area. <laughs> good luck. Good luck where you live. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
Yeah, it's gonna in Wisconsin. You'll probably have to drive a few hours. The majestic that, that is the, the, the nice thing about LA. You know, like they they have a lot of those, but it's harder to find elsewhere. But I would I would keep an eye out for the any. majestic in Milwaukee, Mike. That's true. And if you go deeper into Milwaukee, you might get some more art house theaters that that have more film presentations. Probably. Now I just gotta find something to watch. Really, anything is worth it. There's a theater I want to go. Yeah. Minneapolis to this film. See, we're not we're not talking about the movie. We're just talking about we're talking about we're talking about, about films. <laughs> well, point. I mean, like 2001. I feel like I, I've mentioned a few times. I mean, the movie. If you haven't seen 2001, like, see, I need. I don't want to tell people to stop listening, but stop listening and watch it, and then come back. See, I need to watch it in seven just because I saw it in IMAX and I feel like you're only bringing it up on the podcast just, just to spite me <laughs> and just try and rub in that you saw it in 70. You have done some rubbing with the IMAX for a couple of years. Well, yeah, because because I know it bugs you. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to compare it because IMAX is as good as digital as you'll ever get. For a oh, yeah. So that would be an interesting like comparison. comparison. To see how, how, how much better one is than the other. I'm assuming IMAX sound will probably be better than selling millimeter sound just because IMAX sound setup is the best ever in theater it's probably yeah. better than Dolby Dolby almost might be better now but wasn't for a while um but that <laughs> Really and like that, I mean, they had a good sound set up here, but it was like standard, standard good theater sound. You know, it wasn't like Atmos or IMAX sound. When I saw an IMAX, the sound was definitely yeah. When you get the e part, oh, that was that was <laughs> that yeah. That like made my ears ring this time. I was like sitting there waiting for it, like grabbing my chair. Like here it comes. I'm ready to blow up my eardrums. And we never said completely different with what I watched. Um, I watched a documentary. This was on Pluto TV, but I've been meaning to watch it for a long time called Tickled. Oh, <laughs> I've heard about this. Uh, I know that for I know about for a while. Uh, the filmmaker David Ferrier, um, my wife loves him. He had a show on Netflix called Dark Tourist that is pretty good. I'd recommend it. But Tickled is about David Ferrier discovered on the internet YouTube videos for a sport called competitive endurance tickling, and he's like, huh. Well, this is weird. He's a journalist, so he's, he's like, "I want, I want to look into this. I want to see what the heck this is all about." Uh, and David Ferrier is bisexual. He, 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 he was even a guy at the time. But this is important because when he emailed the company that produces these tickle competitions, the response he got was that they will never work with a gay journalist and someone who works in, who, who 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 lives in sin and does all 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 this e evil stuff. Interesting. <laughs> and what the brand associated with that? So he's like, um, okay then. And so he made a report about about him trying to do this and getting called out for for sexuality, which of course angers them even more and, and, and draws attention to to this tickled organization, this competitive endurance tickling. So this is too weird. So him and his buddies decided to make this into a, into a movie. And I won't give a lot away because the movie is all about the twists as these people kind as these two journalists try and go into a deep dive into um, into this organization and what they find is shocking it's disturbing it's hilarious it's weird it's haunting this is probably one of the, one, of, one, of, one of the most insane documentaries I've ever seen it's not what you think it is um, that's a big thing I remember hearing about this movie is it's it's not what you think it is and I'm like okay it goes off in so many different directions it it, it, it will blow your mind 
Uh, and there is also a throw-up called The Tickle King, which is about the continuing battles between the filmmakers and the subjects of the movie, which, which I don't know if their legal battles are still resolved, but, the, but, but there's tons of, of, of legal battles as people try to keep themselves secret, and David Freer tries to, to, to expose them. Um, it's an amazing documentary. It's, it's, I mean, people think Tiger King is like the most insane documentary. No, it's Tickled. Tickled and Dear Zachary are the two documentaries that anyone has seen them will tell you are some of the most, are probably the most disturbing docs out there. Even if you're not in documentaries, it's well worth a watch because it's less of a documentary and more of a thriller. Like to me, it feels like a traditional thriller movie where these people get, get into, get in way over their head and have their kind of the, the world's crashing around them as they try and break the, the story. It's like a weird fetish version of all the president's men. <laughs> now, now you have my attention. Yeah, I mean, it is a documentary, but it is so shocking, but also so interesting. It's fantastically made. It's not trying to get anybody. It's done in this very objective format. They're not really trying to vilify anyone. They kind of let the facts speak for themselves, and the facts are very damning. <laughs> um, but yeah, highly recommend. Watch Tickle. Watch the Tickle King. Uh, it's it. You you will be disturbed. You might have have a great time, but I highly recommend it. If you're if you're into weird, insane documentaries, you will not be disappointed. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Stop it. Like like I can't tell you how how how. You know, I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> Just watch it. Lose <laughs> that part. Yeah, but it, it's very again. It's hard to talk about this movie because I can't go in in depth into what it's actually about, just because that spoils the movie. Other, other, all, 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 all I can really say is just watch it. And I know that sounds kind of like cheap, but I don't, I don't want to ruin the the experience because because it, it is an experience. I mean, basically, what you said is basically what I've heard from other people. Is it's they've given what it's about. Basically, like you gotta watch it to believe it. It's oh, every, it's hard to it, explain. It's one of those films that came out and it was huge for like six months and then disappeared out of nowhere like, like, like it just it completely vanished and I think there's a reason why that is I won't say what it is because it does kind of spoil the movie a little bit um, but but but, but, there, but it, it was really big and then vanished and then Tiger King kind of came out and was kind of similar and got way bigger than, 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 than Tickled everything it's okay to Tickled is way better that's because it was Pandemic King everyone yeah, was home so Tiger King was like the it, that was the show everyone needed at that point in time. Um, I, I that, mean, was, that was during. That feels like that was like three years ago. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> How old am I? What year is it? I guess I, I guess I will say be, 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 before we, we, we move on. Tickled is not for everyone. Please look into it be, before you watch it. Um, at least a little, a, a little bit. Um, not not to do trigger warnings because I I'm not good at that stuff. There is lots of deep dark content that is that that isn't for everyone. <laughs> so, so, so 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 please don't at me if you watch this movie based on my recommendation and you are deeply disturbed by what you see. This, this is. This is your only warning from me. Now enjoy the show. Anyway, with that, we'll move on to our main topic of today, In a Lonely Place. Uh, Alex, you seem to know exactly what you want us to talk about with this movie. So a little bit. 
pass the torch over to, 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 to you. Speaking of, of deep, dark content. Uh, ah, I don't know if this is anything on that. Just say it. <laughs> just say it. Unless Humphrey anyway. Bogart tickled people. Which honestly, well, right. It's not the same thing. I'm just I, I'm trying to make a tr- nice transition I'm, here. I'm, I'm just I, I, I need to say this stuff. Uh, Humphrey Bogart either tickling someone or being tickled sounds like the most terrifying thing. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially him in this movie tickling someone. <laughs> tickle, tickle, tickle. <laughs> Through their eye. <laughs> <laughs> While delivering some one-liner. All right, so for those who don't know, this film is about, uh, as we said, it stars Humphrey Bogart, who's a kind of alcoholic, hot-tempered screenwriter who also who's also like you know very funny, very you know charming things like that. So he's, he's right, yeah, yeah. He's Humphrey Bogart, but a little darker, and uh, he gets accused of murdering someone who was like an assistant helping him finish his screenplay. And his alibi is his uh, neighbor who just moved in, and they begin to form a romance. But as it goes on, she starts to suspect his more violent nature and um, become scared of him, while at the same time, like feeling sucked in by his charm and his more positive attributes. Uh, and it, it just continues to spiral, and she starts to suspect him, even though she's his alibi. And I think, oh, what are you gonna say? I say to get this out, to get this out of the way we're gonna spoil this movie aren't we yeah it's hard not to because it's one of those films that like how you feel during the film and then when you reach the end is different if that makes sense it's like oh shit (laughs) like and that's a part of what you know to get into the themes which is really like the core discussion with this like you know at times it's very funny other times it's very dark and scary and like gets you into that but really it's about abusive relationships and it's about how people get sucked into that and how because he's charming and you feel that as the viewer like he's fun to watch but his darker nature takes over and you realize who he really is so and it's about how she gets sucked into that and by the end realizes the the situation she's in uh and especially for a film that came out in 1950 <laughs> that's uh that's certainly ahead of its time at the, at the same time though I, I will say it is kind of about her realizing what he is but i don't think the movie really portrays him as a evil or bad guy more so He's a trying. He's trying to be decent. He just has problems. He's human. He's he has it. anger issues. He yeah. has impulse control problems. Right, and I think that's why it's so so effective because now you will see a lot of films where like that type of character feels almost like a cartoon, like kind of angry person. Yeah, and in this case, it, it turns him into a human who has this horrible attribute, but is also like it feels like he's trying to be better, but he just keeps going back to it. There's something in his head that just won't let him the way the, the way i see it um her the biases of other people start to affect her own perception it's less about to me a lot of the movies it's about who dixon Steele really is and and what everyone else is kind of made out to be and how laurel gray perceives that and how that influences her own perception of, of events because to me i saw as she wasn't seeing his actions through objective lens she was almost even seeing his actions through what other people had told her about him by the end pretty much i mean bef- at first she's all happy and everything and nothing's wrong and then people are like oh you're with him well what about this and that and you know about this i i think to me it's she's ig- ignoring the warning signs because like she's ignoring it because she's like oh he's like some of the things she says directly is like oh he's not like that anymore that was a 
long time ago and she makes defenses but by the end i i think in that last scene it shows that a lot of them were right but they were also wrong i was gonna say they're also pushing her to see this other outcome especially the detectives on the case because you're trying to push her to see him as a murderer when the film reveals spoiler alert now he's not right but then in that last scene the fact that it doesn't matter like what he's done he's like strangled her like he's fully capable of it and is that way well and nearly killed a guy with a rock right (laughs) though the weird thing about this was is i must have seen this at some point but i don't remember when (laughs) because watching it i'm like okay i kind of this all seems vaguely familiar so i don't know if like my grandparents were watching it or something and i happened to be see it younger when i was younger but it's just like like i'm having deja vu <laughs> yeah I, mean, I definitely not this before i didn't even hear of it i liked it a lot it's kind of grown on me the more i think about it because i do think the themes are really good yeah that's exactly what ha- what happened with me like it's one that just stuck in my head because like you know again it's, it has a lot going on thematically and as we kind of said like i haven't seen this kind of film done this way like about this subject done this way well that's because if you make that film today it's basically it's always gonna lean one way this kind of plays the balancing game of you don't know what is going on you're in the dark as much as the actress is if you made this movie today he would have been the killer yeah oh yeah for sure first off it should have been on lifetime (laughs) but 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 he also would very obviously be to be the killer the fact that he's not the killer but could have been is a much more powerful and finish well i also have to say is like at the beginning of this movie I didn't know what was going on. Like, I didn't know if they were together and planned out on killing her or whatever, or were they in on it together, or was she just blackmailing them? Or, I mean, it plays it very vague in the beginning, and then it's not till later that you start to see almost. And I was also thinking, like, is she the killer, maybe? It's really sophisticated for his time, in my opinion, with stuff like that. With the, yeah. with the, with the depths of storytelling, especially with murder mysteries, isn't really what we've kind of seen. And I, I think, like, that's one of the interesting things about it is, like, the noir aspects, like, the mystery aspects work, but it's it's actually just this front to get you into the deeper stuff, but, like, it's effective on that level, too. Like, you're wondering, like, oh, did he do it? Like, you start to doubt it, too, and it, it weaves in that, that murder mystery angle while it's setting up the deeper pieces. It's a lot like, what's that Shia LaBeouf movie? Disturbia. Dis- Disturbia, yeah. It's kind of Disturbia, It's good Disturbia. I also have to give credit. I'm not the biggest Humphrey Bogart fan because okay. let me finish, <laughs> and you you you'll be mad at me when I'm when I'm done because because I always thought he didn't have any range. I I always felt like Humphrey Bogart played Humphrey Bogart until this movie. He he played a Humphrey Bogart I don't remember seeing in other films like Casablanca or Maltese Falcon and stuff like that. He's a lot darker, angrier, violent unhinged he's damn good he's 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 fantastic in this movie yeah this and treasure of the sierra madre i think are are my favorites of his for that reason he's like completely different i mean that one he's like an animal (laughs) he's like (laughs) completely wild and this like he play he plays like humphrey bogart until he starts to get very angry and scary (laughs) everyone in this film was really good yeah the actress i haven't seen i haven't seen her gloria graham i haven't seen her in that much much. She uh, was a ton. But she is very good in this. Well, well even like the 
secretary, the one who's got murdered, she was really fun yeah. in the first part in her scenes. And I was just like, back when you could have a well-rounded cast of people who can actually act instead of like today where it's like, oh, let's throw some model or somebody in there and they can't act well, to save their life. Well, not just that. You have to have, back then you have to have like like the big star and then a bunch of nobodies. This this it does really sound like an ensemble cast that works. It's very it's very much a part of, the part of its time with that. If you have Humphrey Bogart and you have the ensemble around Humphrey Bogart. Right. And it's a very small cast, but like they're all very effective. I'm surprised it hasn't gotten any sort of theatrical ad- adaptations yet. Like 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 a movie that I felt like we're going to compare it to eventually, Sunset Boulevard. That hasn't gotten... I might like this movie more than Sunset Boulevard, and they're kind of similar. Interesting. I do, love, kind of, bo- I do love both. They're kind of similar. Sunset Boulevard, of course, is widely beloved. Um, on the Wikipedia page, they're comparing it to, to All About Eve, too, and I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, this? No. I don't think it's very much like All About Eve. Well, they say because it, it's about Hollywood celebrity culture of the time. Hmm. That's true. I think Which, this has more it, I mean, higher ambition. It doesn't have as much of the studio stuff in it as you would think. Yeah, it's right. less it's about filmmaking, which is which is gold. It's less less about filmmaking and more about the, the person, a person in filmmaking, yeah. basically in a writer's. Yeah, it, it's 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 getting into the mind of a guy who writes violent stories, right? Yeah, that, 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 that's his job. Is is he writes violent stories? He does, he does this stuff, and it's making the comparison that a violent story is obviously written by a, by. by Violent man. Is that accurate in the real world? Who knows? Because I mean, we never once see him on a set or anything, or talking to a director. Yeah. Hell, he, does he, he barely even talks to the guy he's writing the play for or the movie yeah. for. I think it's more the backdrop for like looking at relationships and looking at that kind of person. Like it's just kind of the background versus something like Sunset Boulevard, which we mentioned, which is very much like commentary on the studio system. And you have a little bit of of the people in the exploration of the people behind it especially especially with what's her name in Sunset Boulevard uh, uh Gloria <laughs> I, I was about to say that really confidently and then I chickened well, out Gloria is the actress Norma Desmond's the character Norma Desmond that's right I mean they're like Mrs. she's kind of playing an exaggerated version of herself <laughs> yeah that's true but, but but Norma Desmond is kind of similar I think in a way sticks and steel more so in how they portray them as like leads of of you of you look at at the people that would do the things that they do you know look at the reasons why obviously Dixon Steel is violent and Norma Desmond's absolutely insane <laughs> and also violent yeah. I, I just felt like you know, like it does say a little bit, but I feel like it's almost not—it's not even really talking about like Hollywood and writing, really. To me, actually, you know, you know what movie I would compare this more to? Something like talk radio or uncut gents, personally, because it's a lot more yeah, introspective and personal about talk uh, radio. About the but yeah. The, the other thing I was thinking about watching this movie was the HBO miniseries, um, the night, the, the night of. Yeah, yeah, that, that's an interesting comparison. I thought because that kind of has the whole thing, thing about. Biases and guilty until proven innocent, and the whole potential of of they didn't do it, but they but they possibly could have, and, yeah. and if they didn't do it then, they could do it now. Right. I mean, even at the end of this movie, you're kind of expecting at the end, is he going to kill her or no? And then that was actually the original. I just saw it on Wikipedia when I looked it up today. That was the original ending. Oh, really? Yeah, production code. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. The original ending they, 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 they shot was he killed her, but then but then the, the writer and director was like, that sucked. We're here, <laughs> we're, 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 we're going to do something else. I would almost agree. It works better that he, personally, that he doesn't kill her and that they just, like, break it off because, like, it's done. Like, he's revealed well, killing, that he's capable of that. Well, him killing her is, like, not necessarily like, like the Disney ending, but it's that everything tied, everything's tied in a bow. Story was of, see, he is a killer. Har, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. Free frame. Yeah. And then, because production code, the cops have to come and shoot him or something. Yeah, this is much more ambiguous of, of he didn't kill anybody, but, that, but, that, but it doesn't matter. Right. I think it's, it's hard to do, you know, again, with the production code. Like, it was very hard to do ambiguous, more morally ambiguous, like, complex endings like that. And they, in this case, they did it. The fact that movies like this and Double Indemnity were able to pull off their endings is, like, it, it, it is... It's a, it's, it's a credit to the writers and directors. Yeah. I mean, I'm not always a fan of the writing in this just because this movie, to me, the the, the characters talk in, like, allegories and shit way too much. It, like you said, it does feel like a Lifetime movie at times. Like, 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 like the, the, the dialogue, sometimes it's really good. Other times, I'm like, oh my god, just say what you're trying to say. <laughs> this is like a five-minute conversation that could have been said in two sentences. Holy crap. But that's just me, personally. I like I, I like a lot of the, the, the allegorical dialogue. Just not every line had to be that. I suppose that's fair. I'll live with it. <laughs> Clear Jets Humphrey Bogart. Now, not every scene dialogue you have has to be the Casablanca. You walked in, she could have been at any bar, but she came to this one. Not every scene has to be that. <laughs> you know, I do really, I do really, 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 really the movie. And honestly, I came into this podcast at like three and a half. Just by talking about it, I'm already at like four. Yeah, it'll it'll keep growing. Like the, like I said, this is one that just like plants itself in your brain. Which if you can tell, if you can't tell, those are the ones I like the most. <laughs> but like that just like grow over time. Well, because like no one likes to go to a movie or watch a movie and then immediately forget what they saw as for the turn up. Right. Or, like, I don't or like, turn your brain I, off I, I to really watch just it. like that. Yeah. I don't mind turning my brain off to watch certain movies. Yeah, like it, it can be fun, but it's like... It's the only way I can enjoy stuff like the, like, like the Expendables. <laughs> But, but this, it's really good. I don't think it's for everyone. I wouldn't recommend it to, to, to everyone. But it's really ahead of its time, I think, is the big takeaway, at least that I thought. But this is something I would expect from the oh, 70s, yeah. at least in its writing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, again, in terms of, like, the things it's talking about, like, I mean, a lot of what he was doing was pretty acceptable <laughs> socially at that point in time, unfortunately. I don't think it went too far at any points, even in today's. No, I don't. I, I, I think it was fun because a lot of it was more psychological and because of the haze yeah. violations you couldn't get that physical but honestly right. not doing it is sometimes more scary than actually doing it yeah definitely your mind I, that's one of your like, mind is the most uh, scariest thing in the world it, can, it creates images you are most terrified of versus someone just making something and showing right and I, I, I think that's one of like especially like 40s 50s films when they really got in the flow of that that's one thing I always love with them is the creative ways they have to get around that so then it feels like a lot of times scarier or more intense because they can't sh- you know show someone getting hacked up or whatever right like they have to really be creative and that creates a lot of tension I'd say bring back the rules so we could try to get more creative like that but I don't think that would work very well 
Oh no, it'll get real, real bad. <laughs> right. The, the, the MPAA is bad enough. Yeah. The MPAA sucks. Why? Why? Why are PG and PG thirteen like different categories again? They're essentially the same. It, it doesn't matter anymore. I think that that's part of why, like, to go on a random tangent a bit, but like, why some '70s films are so effective because they had just gotten out of the code, so they had that creativity, but they also had more freedom. So then, like, when they needed it, they could use it, but they also knew when to like pull back. Yeah, because no one wanted, wanted to go all out immediately after, unless you're Ralph Bakshi or the guy who made Midnight Cowboy. You don't want to go yeah. right into it right away, but. But sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you have to. I mean, you had that transition period from the 60s to the 70s where the Hayes Code went away, the MPAA came in. The, the industry was trusted to regulate itself, and it did fairly well for the most part. Even, even now, it's really stupid. Yeah. This is a really good movie. I never would have watched it on my own. Yeah, I honestly can't remember how I found it. Was, I was probably looking up other Humphrey Bogart films, if I'm being honest. <laughs> oh, you I was like, well, look, look, looked up some oh, random lists. I've, de- I've definitely done that. But I think I was also just looking at noir lists, and this one kept coming up, and I'm like, this doesn't really sound like a noir, but I'll watch it. And like, I saw how well-received it was, because it, you know, it's another one of those that, at the time, it was like, eh, and now it's, you know, it's considered like maybe his best performance and like one of the best films he was in. So it, it's gained that reputation over time it's definitely my favorite performance it is yeah i mean for for me it's this and it's sierra madre i mean this is definitely a better film but i he's i think this is his best one because it's like it's got those nuances to it well um it's also nice because it's constrained and it's only an hour and 34 minutes it's a yeah, short it's movie so which is another thing i miss like there are a lot of amazing like you know i i love three-hour films when they earn it but like there are a lot I of amazing it. like yeah, there are a lot of amazing 40s and 50s films that are like 90 minutes, 100 minutes, somewhere in there. Somewhere like, like an hour. Yeah, it's like they're with very Chaplin Theater or The General by Buster Keaton. Those ones are barely an hour, and they're amazing. Yeah. And Ca- what is Casablanca, like an hour 50? If that. So, somewhere around there. Same with Maltese Falcon. Is that one a little longer? I can't remember. Most films like didn't go past two hours back at that point. Right, you- yeah. like I, I, I know Citizen Kane is a little longer there are a few other ones but generally it was like you know hour and a half hour 50 now everything's gotta be two and a half hours three to three and a half hours of boredom which even from like a business standpoint is stupid yeah because the longer the movie is the less show times they can fit in the day right and then they just pad it with extra trailers and then you're in the theater for like three hours it's like this film should be two hours or less i mean D- dylan devolve is getting ridiculous with some of his runtime movies <laughs> Oh, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. That's, that's a consistent, like, Prisoners is a big one for me. Like, that's a solid film. I don't like it anywhere near as much as everybody else because, I mean, that movie is, like, at least a half hour longer than it needs to be, and it loses the tension. Like, it takes so long to get to the end part that you've been waiting for that you lose a lot of the tension. The f- ones I've seen, I think Arrival is his best paced and time-wise movie. Yeah. Yeah. And we won't fight about Blade Runner. Too long. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a significant issue. They act like it's not a problem that every, every movie is two and a half hours. No, it, it is a problem. It's a, it, it's a serious, people don't necessarily want to commit that much time on a consistent basis. I will, because I don't think anything else better going on. But, but there are, but there, 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 there are people that actually have lives <laughs> and they can't always spend two and a half, three hours in a theater 
theater, especially with some of these movies having no business being that long. Well, and you also have the trailers and all the other stuff. And the actual commercials. Yeah. Like, going to the movies nowadays is like a four-hour experience, and you're like, I just wasted like half a day. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, you know, the MCU ones now are all at least like 130-something minutes. Like, they're all all two-plus hours. Yeah. It's like a lot of those should be like an hour and a half. I mean, that's, I mean, because sure movies can be good. I mean, that, that's why if you watch most extended cuts, a lot of them are shit. Right. Because the casing is destroyed. A big example of that to me is the Deadpool, uh, Deadpool 2, what's it called? Like the, the, the bigger, longer cut or the, whatever. The PG cut? Yeah. The PG-13 oh, yeah. cut one? No, or? not that one. The, the, the super duper long one, whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. The, I remember. Yeah. Cut. has some good stuff in it, but otherwise it's just padded out exposition. It doesn't need to, to be there. It makes the movie two and a half hours long. I believe that's a character that doesn't need that long of a movie because you'll get sick of them. It's just about pacing, keeping things moving, right? Like, like in a lonely place, it keeps things movies moving. It skips time. It doesn't show you everything because it doesn't need to. Shows you everything that's important, right? It it it, it doesn't have fat to it. It doesn't, you know, have those moments where it's over-explaining. Okay, this is exactly what's happened in between when we were last with the characters, right? Like, oh, this is exactly what happened in these how many months? You know, just so you know, it's like you skip ahead and you see that. Um, living together consistently okay it's been a little bit like that's all you need yeah it, it doesn't need to tell you everything you don't need to know everything and that's the problem that's the thing that's, that's a kind of issue with viewer habits is i think viewers want to know everything and they, they blame the movie when, when they don't see everything when really you don't need to that's see very it. true you don't need to know you don't need to know every single moment and there are some movies and tv shows that probably cut too much out for time um yeah while i love armando Iannucci, the, the thick of its time jumps are almost too severe too much stuff has passed but i wouldn't say say that in the only place has a problem no like it's not quite clear how much time passes in all but it's not particularly important like it's easy enough to follow because you know their relationship has progressed further each time it goes a little bit ahead and when you you try and treat everything when you treat everything as super important then nothing becomes important and the movie becomes bloated and directionless and pointless trash that's what you have to look out for when you when you Mess. We 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 add everything for the sake of having everything. Yeah, like you ha- you have to know what you want. Like you have to know what your direction is for the film. Like, and the, this is one that has like a clear vision and is always moving towards that. Yeah, and that has a good vision, which is also part of the issue. Is your vision can be shit. <laughs> <laughs> like right. Well, well I, I get the toss point, but no, but, but it's true, right? Just because it's your vision, the doesn't make it good. I hate that argument. Just because it's, yeah. it's a vision, it's good. Your vision can be bad. Yeah, it's like, oh, it has a vision, so it's a movie. <laughs> okay, we've gotten past that step as an actual movie. Okay, uh, how is it? Not good. Uh, <laughs> it, has a, it has a creative vision. It's in four by three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was hitting there. I knew we'd go. <laughs> I knew we'd end up there, but it's, it's. I mean, it's true. That gets credit for just for having a vision. It's like you know, you do need more than that. It needs to be a good one with good themes. Like it has to be a good story. Like. <laughs> another person who has problems with time management and pacing <laughs> yeah that's like i mean that's like three lonely places <laughs> <laughs> i probably would rather watch lonely place three times rather than <laughs> yeah i would watch it three times in a row over watching that again <laughs> i'm curious what you guys feelings are because this movie is considered noir which is missing some noir elements but it probably is one at the, at the end of the at the end of the day 
Um, yeah, I'm willing to call it one. I think like I I, I did go on a, a, a noir binge at one point in quarantine, so I've seen like a bunch of them now. Well, noir but, to me is a franchise that's like effectively dead. And yeah, the we're talking about neo noir, but really it barely has anything in common with noir. With one of the noir films that exist are almost like parodies of it, like Sin City. Yeah, you know, you know I love Sin City. Noir's become like a, a joke. It, it's always the detective in the dark alley, in the rain, in the trench coat. Right, it's become a little bit of a, a joke, which is unfortunate. Like I think what surprised me most is a lot of them have a lot more thematic depth than they get credit for. Because yeah, you do like the oh, it's the prize private eye with the cigarette and you know he says damn a lot <laughs> you know well that's the weird thing about this movie is it's a noir but it's like you're not following the detective who's hunting down the case you're following the guy who's accused of being the murderer yeah you, you, you have noir without being a detective I, I don't know why at least in America noir became exclusively a mystery fiction genre Boulevard is one and he's not a detective and there's no you know, there's no murder mystery. And even some, like, like I love The Long Goodbye, take noir into a completely different direction. Yeah. But Double Indemnity is no, no, noir, and that's not about detectives, but insurance agents. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's kind of, like, become an easy one to parody, or, like, when, it's, when people try and do it, it's like they see the surface level elements, and, like, the rest is a little lacking with the neo-noir ones. I, I think one, one that did it really well was uh, LA Confidential, I feel like that's just like a strap noir. They just made one, one in the 90s and they're like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I think Big Lebowski is considered noir too, or at least neo noir. Yeah, see, see, and that's where I'm like, you know, that that's a very good film. Like, you know, that's where neo noir is just like, really anything to do with noir? <laughs> like, I, I would say that Bill Busky has a lot of elements of noir. Where you have, where you have a protagonist who's put into a situation that's where he's over his head. You have the femme fatale. You have him being manipulated by other people while manipulating them. It does have the elements. Yeah, are they are they done in a way that's almost parody and just kind of checking boxes? Yeah, but here, I'm gonna Google definition of film noir. Yo, yeah, here, here's one one that just like very much tries to be like a noir or neo noir, but like feels very artificial. Everybody talks about are ones like Inherent Vice, or like stuff like that, or like I mean, I guess I'm gonna out myself for my hottest take now, but like I'm finally gonna do it. Chinatown, okay. See, none of us have seen this movie, so this take isn't that hot yet. (laughs) But I feel like Chinatown is just a very standard noir. It gets credit because it was the 70s and it used a realistic topic. But, like, I feel like it's one that doesn't really do anything different than noir, but gets credited as, like, this amazing noir or neo-noir. I mean, it's right on the border where it's, like, you know. I think there's a certain date where, like, afterwards they just call everything neo-noir. So I think it's technically that. But really, it's just regular noir. So the definition I have from noir from Oxford language is a style of genre style or genre of cinema cinematographic film marked by a mood of pessimism fatalism and menace the, the term was originally applied by a group of French critics to American thriller or detective films made in the period 1944 to 1954 and to the work of directors Orson Welles Fritz Lang and Billy Wilder <laughs> that's super vague that is yeah <laughs> well, like but I feel film. like the one like I feel like Kiss Me Deadly is 
the last noir because it just takes it and goes completely bonkers with it. The Lita Ford song? What? The Lita Ford song? Can this be deadly? No. Kiss me once. I probably can't do that, can I? Because of copyright. <laughs> We've had two songs on this episode now. If we get struck by that, it'd be funny. No, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> Was it funny at all? Yeah, it would be because we got struck got for it and no one listens. <laughs> no, no they, have, they have an algorithm that does it now. It like looks for like music. Oh, well, I guess we're screwed with my only, my lonely um, song in the beginning. Oh, okay, here, here, here we go. Elements of film noir include cynical heroes, stark lighting effects, frequent use of flashbacks, intricate plots, and underlying existentialist philosophy. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's pretty... And the lighting is like that good shit. <laughs> like, that? The, that's like the mark of if I'm going to enjoy this noir, like how's the lighting? How harsh are these shadows? Yeah, I mean, in this one, the scene where he's like uh, having them like reenact the sequence, right? He's like explaining to the detective at his house like how it probably happened. Probably the and, best like, the scene lighting the on his face. Yeah, his face is like terrifying with how they light it. That, that scene, they get that in the car chase. Humphrey Bogart. And my car just I means him driving like a madman in the Christian. <laughs> yeah. And then beating him just, up. Oh, Humphrey Bogart in those two scenes specifically is just so off the rails intense. He's terrifying. Yeah, his face is scary. Yeah. I was like, how, why am I scared of Humphrey Bogart? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, because remember how Humphrey Bogart is just like that kind of almost, almost like a car party of himself. Yeah, I, well, I, and I feel like his, like part of that is like we talked about noir getting parodied. I mean, his performance became like the noir detective performance, right? Like everybody did the Bogart. Yeah. <laughs> after a Maltese Falcon because like that was like so popular and so iconic that everybody kind of modeled it that way. And he imagined it went from being like a character actor being like the biggest actor of like all time for a certain period of time. Yeah. He's one, he's one of my like favorites. I definitely would agree. He shows range in this one but he doesn't have the range of somebody like I don't know De Niro, right? But like it's hard to find a bigger star if you know what I mean where like they're on screen and it's just like interesting. Which one did I see him in? I had, I, I saw I saw him once for a class that was really good. I think it was him. About, he, he was like a, he was like a gangster that was coming back to his old neighborhood. Wait, I I like just added this one to my watch list. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, was it Angels with Dirty Faces? It might be. Yeah, I literally just added this to my list. I'm like, oh, this I, looks really I, good. I think I don't know if it is. James Cagney, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, in the, in the, two in the best friends at times themes after a robbery. Someone sent to reformatory school. Yeah, escapes and later becomes a priest. Yeah, this is, I think, this is it. Yeah, I look like, yeah, being able to instantly say that, I feel like the priest of Church Bogart, but. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't actually. I saw Dead End. Dead End? I, mean, I haven't even heard of that one. 1937. I saw a, per- I was doing a project on poverty in film for my classes. And yeah, 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 Dead End's the one I saw. It also stars those Dead End kids that are in Angels with Dirty Faces. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, uh, uh, what's his name that I just said? Okay. Oh, this is William Wyler. Yeah. I'm interested in Add it to your list. It has Bogart in it, so. <laughs> <laughs> you got him there. Interesting. Yeah, at this point, like me lately, it's like if it has Bogart or, or Paul Newman in it, I'll probably watch it. It's not amazing. So, so you watch Cars 3? 
Hey, even I have limits. <laughs> Disney's about to hear that and splice him into every upcoming movie. I correct you and say he was only in the first Cars, but you know where that would go. Well, well, they they put him in the other movies. They like Frankenstein yeah. into the character. It was it was insane. Yeah, here and yeah, I don't know how he's in Cars three because I mean, I'll shock the world by saying I haven't seen Cars three, uh, but apparently he's in that somehow. I, I, ha- I have like, seen I it. And I don't remember. It's probably like that vintage car. He probably says like three or four lines that are just taken from like bloopers from the aping of the first movie. Probably. According to IMDb, it doesn't give him any credit. He's on Wikipedia. He's in he's in Cars 3. Hmm. He's also in the Cars video game for some reason. Yeah, but they probably just took his voice from the movie and yeah. threw it in the game. Unless, yeah, unless he had, unless he had, unless, I, want, I want to see Paul Newman in a recording booth having to record the ooh, ah, like like, yeah. like and stuff all the weird stuff I want them to finally put uh, the Hustler in, in the color of money on something I think color of money was on Max for a little bit but Hustler wasn't so what's the point yeah it was almost by what we watched you know where did you use it God and that sounds like you're just movie <laughs> Oh, here we go. With John Lasseter, he spent a lot of time in the recording booth with him, and between takes, he would tell him stories about great races, and essentially those recordings were the reason he had reappeared in Cars 3. <laughs> They're recording his regular conversations. All right, sweet. <laughs> We've got more material. That's just probably what they're all doing now whenever these big actors do animated movies. It's just like, just record and don't turn it off. You I never know I mean, when we might need it. I learned Lawrence Olivier was in Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow like 20 years after he died. <laughs> and I still don't get how that happened. Hustlers on Hulu, which I guess isn't the worst thing in the world. And Color of Money is on nothing. So that's cool. You know what? It's a Scorsese movie. It's wah, on nothing. Wah, wah, wah. Well, at least the people that, that don't know, I mean, you can watch it in only place for free uh, with ads on IMDb TV, Pluto TV, all of those to be if you have Amazon Prime, it's, it's, it's ad-free. Um, yeah, and it's been on there for a while, so hopefully it won't randomly disappear. Because I mean, it's been on there since I watched it how long ago. So Prime has been disappearing movies pretty quickly, though. Like, my talk radio was on there for like a month or two. It's always they've the, got no consent. Like, it will just disappear. And it always disappears once you go to watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm the worst at that. And then, like, I'll rent something to watch it, and then it'll just appear on streaming, like, a week later. <laughs> rent. <laughs> I will watch it and then it'll appear on streaming. Like, oh great, thanks. That, so that happened with me. It happened to me. It happened to me with some. It didn't happen with Amadeus yet, though. So I don't know yeah, I was just gonna say. I bet that'll pop up like next month. Now, I really hope it doesn't. So I'm not daring. It's like an idiot. <laughs> ben, I feel like uh, something somewhat related to this is I feel like maybe this is just me, but I feel like people our age are like we're, we're kind of losing going back as far as like the 40s for films. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like people really aren't of our age aren't going back as much, even to like the 60s 70s unless it's like one of the absolute biggest ones i feel like people don't go as far back now because Whoa. you know with things like netflix like you, you know when it pushes on the front page if you're just looking to watch something you might just you know watch that or something i don't know about you guys but i know a lot of people that are like oh it's black and white i'm not gonna watch that yeah i i heard that a lot <laughs> it's black and white believe it or not really? at one point in my life i was that person oh i, I believe that <laughs> i'm surprised you aren't that person now <laughs> 
No, I love I, I love Black and White films now. No. His thing is animation. He's like, nope. Yep, that one that one will stay forever. But like in like you know middle school, early high school, and then like you know I started to watch a few, and I'm like, what? <laughs> so imagine that films have been good for a while. I don't necessarily think it's because they're black and white. You look at movies from this era, and they're made differently. They're mm. shot differently. They're edited differently. They're composed differently. They are they're different movies. We've become accustomed to fast edits, quick cuts, shots of covers of everything, and it, you cut to shot of everything. It's not how these movies Lots of music or other things yeah. to push quick things wit. forward. It, we have but to have more patience to watch these kind of movies. They're not like modern films. It doesn't make them bad. Right, they're to, very good. I mean, we you, have to accept that they're different. You even it's, think it, about it, they don't even do like opening credits anymore, which yeah. I'm a fan of if you can do it in an entertaining way. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit of a fan of the, the opening credits scene as long as it's not too long. But I can see this, the style of some of these films being off I just think you have to you have to watch a, f- a few good ones and then go like, oh, this is actually really good. Well, like, well, there were some that, there are some like Citizen Kane, 12 Angry Men that are basically just modern films. Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, Kill a Mockingbird. Right, and that's how you kind of, I, I feel like those, like, you kind of dip your feet in and then you start going further and further back and then you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> like, these are fantastic. But, like, you definitely dip your feet in a little bit with some. Well, and they're hard to find good ones because they're buried on most streaming services. Yeah, yeah. too. These movies are never, like what all said earlier, never push to the front for your viewing experience. You have you have to look for them, right? Which is unfortunate. I do, I do think Max does a little bit of a better job just because they have the one TCM section, but you know that's not really pushed or anything. Like you have to look for that. But well, like Amazon, you will never find them unless you start watching films like this, and then it'll suggest them. Well, and the other problem is is people don't know to look for certain movies like this. They don't know yeah, that they'll not- be entertained by it. They just see a black and white film and be like, "Oh, it's old. Probably doesn't have any significance to today." when that's farthest from the truth with some of them. Right. And I, and I, I, I looked at like classic movies on Netflix and what I got for classic movies on Netflix are Back to the Future. I was going to say, get ready to feel old. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> which, which, which is a classic. 90s. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Life of Brian. There's a Lost Ark. You're such in the Spotless Mind. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. These are all really good movies, but... I feel like sometimes people just kind of forget movies were made in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s. And usually, like when people yeah. talk about movies, they usually start at the seventies and move on. Yeah, and even that I feel like is getting pushed up. Like people don't want to look very far back. Now it's become like the eighties and nineties. You know, it's like getting moved up further. At least with people our age, I, I felt that anyway when when we were in school. You know, David, you were there. The Godfather thing, right? Oh yeah, I was there. When they, they asked because I picked for an editing class, I picked a clip from The Godfather to show, and it was the teacher asked like, "Oh, who's seen The Godfather?" And like. I handful of people maybe in a film <laughs> class it was like a couple of people and then everyone was really happy when that one dude played a clip from scooby-doo too <laughs> <laughs> yeah in, an example of of good editing see but but you can't do that because i picked Tinker to the soldier spy which was like five years old and nobody had seen that either 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know, it is. I feel like it's a little more shocking than I've seen The Godfather. Although Tinker Taylor is is very good. No, do people have people don't watch classics? We learn that in film school. People yeah. don't watch old movies. They watch new they watch new stuff and think that that will get them jobs. When it won't, you have to watch the old stuff because that's what they're going to ask you. They're not going to ask you, "Have you seen Black Panther?" They're going to ask you, "Have you seen 2001?" Psycho. Yeah. Jaws. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Citizen like, I, I had a con- like in a meeting. I had a conversation with someone who was like, it got into this tangent of like '70s thrillers, and it was like, oh, like Pacula, all the President's Men, those ones, like this and that. Like, people aren't going to ask you, yeah, like you said, like, oh, have you seen MCU movies? Like, they just kind of assume you have because they're new. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're gonna, that doesn't make you different. That doesn't stand. You, you don't stand out with that. I mean, I mean, Michael Michael Uslan, Batman producer. When we, when we talked to him, he said that he talked about that when he, he meets with with young filmmakers and students and all that stuff. Um, he he doesn't ask. He he said he doesn't ask you how, what's your favorite Batman movie. He doesn't ask you what's your favorite Frank Tashlin movie. He's gonna ask you what stuff that he likes have you seen. Yeah, because again, like you said, they 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 assume you've seen Star Wars. Any big movie you've ever heard of, they assume you've seen. But right. But what? But have you seen all the Oscar movies? Have you have you do you watch a lot of foreign movies? You know what's what what do you watch when you aren't watching what everyone else watches? For me, it's apparently late nineties, early ten two thousand movies. According you to got guys. that shit locked down, <laughs> David. It'll be a satire one I've never heard of. Hey, you've heard of most. I have, I, I have. For you, it'll be some three-hour epic. <laughs> for, for, for me, it won't be a random satire. It will be some like weird random cult movie that you've never heard of. That or that, yep. I'll be like, I'll be like, I'll be like it's great. And then you ask me what the hell is wrong with me. <laughs> oh, I don't have to ask. Hey, hey now. But they, but that's like the thing is people people have different tastes. It's it's the different. It's what you like that's different from everyone else. That's that's what sets you apart when it comes to film interests. Yeah. I mean, you see, also, it's, it's weird because if you want to, like, be into film, you want to get into film, you have to watch basically everything because you have to watch what comes out and is popular and new to keep up with current trends, but you also have to watch all of the classics so that way you, you, you've seen what's come before. Yeah. It's not easy. Definitely not. And it's also, like, from, from uh, like, even going beyond that from just a viewership perspective, like, you know, there are the films that come out, like, there's a couple every year hopefully that like you watch and you're like oh that was just like a knockout and there are tons of them that was like eh, it was okay and eh, it was fairly good like yeah. the knockout ones there are literally decades of those like decade after decade of those that you can watch like that are just sitting there I always like try- finding the not the knockout ones from long ago and just the it was pretty good ones because there are one, some interesting ones because those like people don't ever hear about but you're like oh you should watch this the, the, yeah. the ones that, that are really good but don't get any attention Right. But also part of it is you still like, like what's really weird is like like the MCU thing is like this weird dichotomy. Or if you say like you just saw the the newest Avengers movie, people will be like, okay, yeah, everyone has. But also if you go to them and you talk talk in like like a film school or a film class or to to, to a filmmaker and you say that you haven't seen the newest Avengers movie and that you won't, they'll still look at you weird. (laughs) <laughs> like it's, it's this weird dichotomy where you have to keep up with both but that's only if you if you really want to like make this your life and not to make it seem like we're ragging on the mcu i mean it is 
one of the greatest achievements in film history of just creating it's, the continuity that they did. And, if you're getting into film, it's kind of necessary, sad, sad to say. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but, like, people are going to look at you weird. If you, because, again, it's keeping up with trends. And that's the biggest trend. Yeah, there's always trends. There's the young adult novels trend that went on for a while. There's... <laughs> But, yeah. but, but like, it doesn't make you cool that you haven't seen the Avengers. Like, oh, Rebel. Yeah. He has. He he hasn't seen Infinity War. Everyone, look out! We got we got we got we got two film scholar over we here. Got <laughs> and that's the hardest part too with trying to like keep up with film is forcing yourself to watch things that you know you're gonna hate, like like yeah. like stuff that that, that 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 you know sucks, but you know you, you need to watch it because it's important. And everyone's gonna be talking about it. This is less important now that I'm out of college, but in college it was actually pretty important. I think I call yeah. that 2017. <laughs> Yeah. But I remember, I remember I watched Greatest Showman just to keep up with with yeah. the trend, and that, that was hell. I watched that too. That was there, there, I, yeah. I have some limits, but I did watch. You know, the last two years I've watched the, the best picture ones, even the ones I didn't want to, just to see. And uh, part of me regrets that. <laughs> I, was, we also did the Snyder Cut. You know, we did the Snyder Cut episode. Yeah. Twice. We plan on doing some other big movies coming up. Um, there's talks about F9. Um, probably we've talked about doing Disney remakes for a while now. Who knows when we'll actually get to those. We're probably going to be doing Space Jam too. Space Jam. Hey, welcome to the jam. I'm running slam. Wherever, this is oh, baby, run. turn against me. Even though the, shoot, the, baby, the new one looks like shit. <laughs> it doesn't oh. look good. It's going to be bad. It, I, yeah. I have Oh, but that last trailer took away most of it. Yep. Can we get the canyon big, version and be done with it? Not, not to get to another big long tangent, but if you look at the trailer, you look at the scoreboard in Trevor Space Jam 2, it doesn't, like, the, the scoreboard doesn't say points. It says followers. Oh. No. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> the game is not, not about who wins basketball. It's about who, who is the coolest and who has the most, who has the most, like, social media followers and likes. Okay. Of, no. co- of course this would be a LeBron thing. Oh, I'm more popular than Michael Jordan where Michael Jordan won more. Yeah. You can't Good be better, God. so I, I do have more Twitter followers than Jordan. Like, well, you got him there. Well, and that's not what Patino said to me. Is you're back to the Muppets of basically more Webers going. Looney Tunes aren't cool anymore. We need to make them. We need to do all this stuff to make it seem to be like hip. Looney Tunes are cool again. It's like they were never not cool to some of us. Some of us were still there. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> still real to me, damn it. Man, that, that pisses me off now. Yeah, well, like, well, I, like Don Shield even calls them the regions. They're the corporate mascots. <laughs> They're not the rejects. Sorry, you guys seen the like the ESPN's put out like the thirty for thirty about it already oh, or something? Yeah, started on that. That was so terrible. Like, they made a first of all, it's a, it's a ripoff because they made a parody about five year, years ago of of the original Space Jam movie, where some 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 company, I think it might have been Bleacher Report, made made a fake uh, thirty for thirty on the first Space Jam. This one was just painful. It was, it was horrible. Integration. Every, vertical integration, everybody. In like, in like the actual basketball game, 
in like the stadium that they're in just looks terrible. Looks like they're trying to set up Lola is very important as well. But they've been talking about. We the, all know why. Because <laughs> <laughs> they got Zendaya to voice her. Looney Tunes Space Jam is Cinematic Universe, which I'm assuming Lola Bunny will probably be like the lead of going forward. They know what they're doing. It's, it's where they got Zendaya. <laughs> yeah, they know. They know exactly what they're doing with that. Um, and I love, I love Space Jam. A little bit ironically, I don't understand. I, I, I love the Looney Tunes parts because a lot of those are actually really well, well, well done. The movie as a whole is not good. I will accept that. There are lots of people who love it unironically now. Yeah, you just say where I'm confused is when Space Jam all of a sudden became a good movie. Ironic. It's a classic. It's not a good movie. <laughs> I watched I, it as a kid. And I enjoyed it. That's all I know. That's good. <laughs> it's it Looney like, Tunes. It might be the most '90s movie ever made. That too. But it's not great. When I when I when I even talk about Emily Place anymore. We're not, we're, we're not even <laughs> on, on the same radio. But, but but I guess we can discuss while we're at it. We can if people are actually listening. We can discuss what we kind of have plans going forward for episodes. Yeah, we got we got meta somehow. <laughs> Yeah, you, 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 we we got we we got mad with this. Like, like Space Jam is coming. I, I just feel like that, that, that it's too big enough to talk about. Um, well, I, I get I could see us. We we, we we talked about drunk watching Lion King. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to talk about it. Can I just drink and sleep? I've already seen it. <laughs> yeah, so we have. I, so have I. So have I, I, have, I, I have yet to. I have yet to put myself through that much pain. Oh, it's painful. I won't say we have to watch all of them because like a lot. It's also pretty, pretty horrible. And I, I've really tried to actively. Yeah, but then we also have them. to watch the Melissa's and move ones too. That that should yeah, you can't watch all these movies. I can't. That, I can't do it. But that should be like a goal, right? If we get enough subscribers or followers or whatever, for how many we get, we we do a Disney remake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or we do them all, or something, right? We have a we have a goal. Yeah. And if we get enough for each tier, I'll say. Uh, well, then, yeah, I'll say it on the. You don't call it on the air, do you? For a podcast, what do you call? It? I don't care. I, I'll do it. I'll do it then. <laughs> Uh, I'll sell out. All right. Yeah, yeah. You're seeing my my true colors here. I will sell out. <laughs> if you I offer me like enough, do, I will sell I out. Like, I feel like we can do Lion King for free. We, we can do one of them. We we we, we can do one of them for free. But the rest. <laughs> I know we've talked about. I know. Oh, I, I think you want to do this, but I've talked about. And I think Justin, me, and you've talked about talked about doing maybe some more stuff on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Also doing like just doing like more like video stuff too. Um, just getting more content out there. Yeah. But that's. I mean, all this. I mean, we're basically doing this as as we go. We're making this up as we go along. Clearly. There's <laughs> an idea you want us to do. Like send it to us. If there's some weird movie you want us to to see and talk about, we'll look into it. To yeah. a point. <laughs> Like, I don't want I don't want stuff like watermelon man and stuff showing up. <laughs> yeah, in their inbox. But oh, again, stuff. If there's a trend or a topic you want us to talk about, because like we can maybe do, especially maybe if we do more YouTube stuff, we can maybe do like bigger series on different stuff, like cinematic universes. Um, you know, like do like different like months mm-hmm. where, where where we talk about bigger things each month, like different themes. I would love to do like a Harry Potter month. Interesting. Something where we where we where we do maybe not an episode now that we've insulted the fans a week ago we can uh we can uh do an episode oh wasn't oops i mean we never made fun of harry potter fans (laughs) (laughs) you have no evidence 
<laughs> I wish to assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. But I could see it. Maybe maybe doing like by eras or by like directors or something. Yeah. We, we, we can oh yeah, it. I, I, I push for that one for sure. Could it be because, because we can't do them all at once, but we can do bits and pieces. Maybe Seven. maybe subscriber subscriber pay pay subscriber. Well, maybe maybe we do MCU or DCEU or, or we do one of the really bad ones that we don't want. DCEU. DCEU. <laughs> 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 We'll, we will torture ourselves if people actually. I don't want to do it. If people aren't going to actually watch it. Yeah, if, if people watch it, I will. I am willing to torture myself. Yeah, but if people watch it, if we get views. We'll torture it. We'll we'll, we'll argue. If maybe you want to see us debate and argue more, come up with topics you want to argue. <laughs> there's there is plenty of bad blood there. Just make us do Forrest Gump, and we'll get started. <laughs> Send us more animation and I'll get us started. Okay, how many subscribers do we have to get in order for us to do anime? Uh, a billion. Hundred? <laughs> a billion. <laughs> infinity times infinity. What if it's like a good anime, like Akira or Batman Ninja? That's, that's not, no, <laughs> that doesn't exist. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Now I've pissed off more people. We're torturing, torturing, torturing ourselves for years, just saying. What? I just love showing people Batman Ninja. I just get a kick out of showing that to them and watching, watching their minds implode. Yeah, I showed Justin it not too long, long, long ago, and we were all like, and we were like, "You're not ready for this." And Justin's like, "Yeah, I am. This seemed that bad." And then by the end, he's like, "I was not ready for this." <laughs> <laughs> well, it seemed normal at first, and then all of a sudden, it got way out there. Wow, it's just an ordinary Batman. Oh my goodness! Pretty much. There's a lot of stuff. I have to watch that. There's a lot of stuff that I'd be willing to. Yeah, well, you might. <laughs> I'm coming down with a cold. <laughs> He'll be sick that week. We'll try and do more. But what we talked about doing that, that if we could, I don't really know the context for this because it's not really part of our theme. What would you talk about? <laughs> but we talked, but we had a whole big conversation on the Rock's diet, <laughs> and, we, and we joked about trying the Rock's diet for a day. Well, he's at a blockbuster like every couple months, so we'll have plenty of opportunities. Okay. Jungle Cruise. Also, they don't do it just have to be movies. You can also ask us to talk about TV shows or video games. That's true. We want to do Mass Effect coming. There will be a Mass Effect episode coming up, but currently one of us still has to finish finish it. Yeah, yeah, I'm replaying it. Justin's been playing for the first time. When when we're done with that, we'll, we'll, we'll probably do one. That's the thing, though. How about uh, Rock? If you come on the podcast, we'll, 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 we'll each do your diet for a day. Maybe <laughs> a week. One week the aim for Greg, and next week the Rock. Next week it'll be Elon Musk. Well, Hell, Rock, I'd we'll, invite you. Uh, no. The Rock will eat your diet as long as you want if it gets you on the podcast. You just have the terms, Rock. You just have the terms. Just, I can smell what you're cooking. Just, we want to do that. <laughs> we just want to do, do the five meal one instead of the seven meal one because I can't eat that much fish in a day. Yeah, we might die. Yeah, yeah. I guess for, for, for context, uh, the Rock's seven meal a day diet, which is for him bulking, is like four servings of fish, like one steak, oh, a bunch of rice, and then, and then it ends like the final meal is like three grams of just pure protein and a, and a ten egg white omelet. Just snort it like Scarface. Like it's it's wild, but I would love to. I would love to do like more bigger concept episodes and, and do more content that might be a little a little bit more ambitious. A lot, maybe do some more more in depth dives, but at, at this current moment, it's not worth putting that work in. <laughs> 
want to endanger my body for the rocks diet until yeah but if we if we get views and we and we get listens we'll, we'll do more stuff we'll get more ambitious greg marcus we will do whatever <laughs> name your terms right now i mean it I know you think you probably think that we're making fun of you at this point, but we love you. Not. We genuinely love you. Please, please come talk to us. We want we we want to have a conversation. Same with you, The Rock. Same with anyone, somewhat popular. We, we love guests. Come on here. A lot of times, especially with other like film YouTubers and, and like creators and stuff, like people people like Meat Canyon, Quit Reviews, Defunct Land. I love to have people like them on and just debate stuff and discuss stuff and watch movies. Spread the love. But who knows? We're so small potatoes i guess those are our plans going forward if those if those interest you if you have ideas let's know you know do you would you want to see do you want to do all, all the harry potter movies do you want us to talk about weird harry potter shit do you want us to do mcu do you, do you want us to eat the rocks diet and die <laughs> <laughs> Let's know. Live on the airwaves. But I want to end this episode back on our main topic. Uh, final thoughts on In a Lonely Place. I'll start us off. Uh, well, I wish the movie was more entertaining. I did really enjoy it. I did have a good time. I love the themes. They stick with me. Humphrey Bogart's amazing. I'm glad I am glad I watched it. Um, and now I want to watch more Bogart, really. And it, it, it's really where we're going. <laughs> Justin, what do you think? Um, basically the same thing as you. I like that it kind of kept me guessing in the beginning whether they they were actually involved in the murder or not um a little slow at times but i i mean it kept it kind of well paced and under good time limit i said i'd give it a four where where are you right now about there i'm right about a four okay yeah i mean for me that's where when i first watched this that's where i was i started at a four upgraded to four and a half because i mean the, the reason i love this movie so much is that it sticks with you and the themes are very impactful and kind of keep you thinking well after you've watched it and that's why you know that's why I picked it that's why I think it's such an excellent film is that it's very ahead of its time in those topics and talks about them extremely well in a concise very tense package and like you said I mean Humphrey Bogart just knocks it out of the park in this one so it's a fantastic film so yeah if you're interested in this movie it's currently available on Amazon Prime with a subscription otherwise it's free with ads on IMDB TV which is through the Prime app or on other services like Pluto TV and Tubi TV uh, it's, well, it's well worth a watch and I guess for context, our scores we just gave were out of five. If you want to see our scores for this movie and our scores for other movies, they are on our Letterboxd accounts. The links are in the description on our YouTube page. Go check out our social media if you want to learn more, learn more about us. And yeah, this has been another episode of Idiot Plot for Alex Ovaldis Nightsell. I'm David Yanish. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Idiot Plot. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get a notification every time we drop a new episode. Also, follow us on Facebook and Letterboxd. The links are in the description.